but well, 4th of July is a happy time. It's a time when our nation celebrates, and it's extra special because it's the time of year when kids are out of school, so families go on vacation, grandparents and great-grandparents get to see little ones that they don't always get to see during the year. Uh, there's a special kind of camaraderie that takes place, and I would say that things slow down, but I don't know about you, things never slow down, do they? No, things never slow down. Well, St. Paul has a lot to celebrate, and things here certainly haven't slowed down either. If you haven't been around the Christian Life Enrichment Center this summer, let me tell you, it's crazy good. Miss Katie's got a summer camp going on that just won't quit, and if you need a jolt of energy, just come on over to the CLEC and hang around for a little while, because we're going to figure out how to bottle up whatever it is that those kids have. And we also, of course, it's a time of outreach into our community. We have a lot to be thankful for. As Pastor Bob already mentioned, new neighbors are moving in. Our middle schoolers are giving up some of their free time to go on a mission trip. So there's a lot to celebrate. Very often when we celebrate the 4th of July, we hear words that we learned in school as kids that were penned by the founders of our nation in our Declaration of Independence. And I'd like to read some of those words for you now because sometimes we forget some of what they wrote. But this is what they wrote. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men and women, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And you know, sometimes when we celebrate the 4th of July, we're really big on the life and the liberty and the pursuit of happiness, and we have parades, and we're patriotic, and that's all fine. But sometimes, as Christians, we forget, we forget that that cloak that we wrap around ourselves isn't supposed to be the flag. It's supposed to be the royal robe of Jesus Christ. And this sermon series that we're going to have today and the next two weeks is supposed to help us remember that the real gifts of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness outlive the governments that we create to protect them outlive the soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines and the armies and the navies that we commission to protect them. These gifts of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, as our forebears announced, we were endowed with by our creator, not our nation. So a gentle but loving reminder today that yes, let's celebrate, but let's remember that these gifts as they were given by God, are intended to outlive any government, any army, and our lives on this earth because they are everlasting gifts. When received properly and reverently, we can enjoy in the presence of Jesus for all eternity. Amen? Amen. So today we begin with God the life giver. Now usually... When you hear a sermon about creation and God the creator, where do we start? 
Genesis, right. Chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis. But I'm not going to start there today. Instead, I'm going to go to the 104th Psalm, where the psalmist wrote a beautiful poem about creation and about the power of what God did when he created the earth and all of its creatures, including us. I'm going to read selected verses. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of God's work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There's the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. The psalmist reminds us of God's creative power. And it wasn't just us that God created. God created the natural world. The rocks, the dirt, the nutrients that feed plants, the process of photosynthesis, which maybe the psalmist didn't know about, but we understand today. And just because we understand a little more about creation doesn't negate the fact that the life that God created, that these processes and science that we understand now, those are creation of God's as well. We're just slow to understand them. He didn't just create human life, but the animals and the birds and the fish and the sea creatures. And his provision is continuous. It never ends. But sometimes when you live in a free place, a land of plenty where so much is available, sometimes we forget that this provision comes from God. Not Publix and not McDonald's. But there are people in our country who don't enjoy that privilege the same way many of us do. And part of our call as we celebrate the 4th of July would be to allow that life and that liberty and that happiness to be extended to all people. And that's where we really bring Jesus into those words of our Declaration of Independence. And we have to remember that last verse that I read from you from the psalm. It's really important because that's special for you and for me. That's the verse about the breath when you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. As we learned a few weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday, the breath of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, is symbolic of the life that we take in. One of the symbols for the Holy Spirit is breath. And that reminds us that our lives is more than a biological thing that has a beginning and the end. We are created in God's image and that breath of life, that spirit that's created in us makes us like our creator. 
endowed with all kinds of good characteristics that we sometimes work really hard to suppress. We let our lesser natures take over, but that's not what God intended. But the great thing about God is that God's gift is also life-renewing. God's gift is life-renewing. It means we can walk through most of our lives and not know Jesus. We can be living a biological life that we feel is pretty free and pretty happy, and we can be spiritually dead. But God doesn't just give life once and then walk away and say, do with it what you will. God pursues you just like we pursue happiness from our declaration. God pursues us to renew us, to bring new life where we're spiritually dead. And I can think of no one who exemplifies that more than the apostle for whom this church was named, the apostle Paul. He didn't start out with the name Paul. He started out as Saul. He was well-educated, a Roman citizen. He was a master of the art of debate. He knew all the laws. He was a Pharisee. And he was filled with a murderous rage for followers of Jesus. People who were part of the way. People who understood that Jesus was the way and the truth and the life. He stood by approvingly when Stephen was stoned. And then he went to the authorities and asked for papers that would give him permission to go to Damascus to hunt down these followers of Jesus and to drag them back to Jerusalem in chains so that they could either denounce Jesus or be judged by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But something happened along the way. Along the way... Saul, the Pharisee, the righteous religious man, had an encounter with Jesus. And I'd like to read to you about that encounter, the way it's written in the Acts of the Apostles. As he neared Damascus, the writer's talking about Saul, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. For three days he was blind, and he didn't eat or drink anything. So Saul, there he was in Damascus, helpless. And the Lord reached out and spoke to one of those followers of the way, one of those followers of Jesus, one of his disciples named Ananias, and said, Ananias, I want you to go to Damascus and find Saul. I want you to open his eyes. I want you to teach him about me because he's going to become someone I use for my mission. And of course, like we often do when Jesus calls us, what happens? Ananias comes back and has excuses. Whoa, Lord, haven't you heard? 
Saul's the guy who was there when Stephen was stoned. Saul's the guy who's been persecuting those of us who follow you. Oh, Lord, are you sure? How many of us do that when we're called to do something difficult or hard, especially with somebody we don't like? Well, the story continues on in Acts, and I'm going to continue to read for you. This is what happened. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. There it is, that breath of life that gives renewed life to someone who was living as though they were dead. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them? as prisoners to the chief priests. Notice the irony of this story. Saul the Pharisee leaves Jerusalem to go to Damascus, filled with authority and power and purpose. And I would add an unholy purpose, despite what he thought. Along the way, he has a life-changing encounter with Jesus. He arrives in Damascus, led by the hand there because he was blind and helpless. He doesn't eat for three days. But then a disciple overcame his fear and introduced Saul to what it means to be a follower of Jesus And the man who left Damascus was a man who was baptized, who was now wrapped in that royal robe of Jesus Christ. He had a whole new purpose and a brand new name. But lest we forget, the persecutor became the persecuted. And I encourage you to sit down someday and read the book of Acts. All the chapters about Saul's life as he traveled around and planted churches. He was persecuted. There was a price to this new life in Jesus Christ. It wasn't all freedom and liberty by the civil authorities. And that's why it's so important for us to remember that the life we're given and the liberty we enjoy and the happiness we pursue, they don't last forever without Jesus. With Jesus, those gifts are bathed in grace and forgiveness, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and a new purpose that surpasses all other purposes. Pastor Bob talked about it last week, to be witnesses, to share the good news. These life-giving gifts 
are part of the lives we live on earth, but they go beyond the boundaries of life on earth. Our purpose transcends our worldly ambitions and we become alive in a new way as because of what God did for us and in us and what he continues to do in us and through us. Because you see, the ultimate life is life eternal. No doctor can give it, no matter how good he or she is. No government can provide it. No army can protect it. But it doesn't need protection if it is of God. This is the promise of the resurrection. This is what we need to remember. It's, it's okay to be patriotic. I'm patriotic too. I'm a veteran. I love parades. I love when the troops come marching by and the airplanes fly overhead and the missing man formation is done by the Air Force. I love that stuff. But if patriotism becomes our idol, then we've gone too far. I love our country. There's no other place I want to live. But if I worship my nation or any political party, not any particular one here before anyone gets excited, any political party, then I'm missing the boat. We can love our country, but we shouldn't worship her. There is only one worthy of our worship. In the last song we sang, sometimes it's amazing how words, the lyrics of a song fit a message and I didn't know this until we sang them. But we sang words, strongholds surrender. We probably live in the biggest stronghold of a country there is in the world. It would be a better country if it surrendered just a little bit more to the great God that allows it to be. Don't you think? Amen. Friends, as we prepare to share the sacrament of Holy Communion this morning, I'm reminded of the Redeemer. The words of the Redeemer that he spoke even before he was understood to be the Redeemer. Jesus spoke about bread of life, about everlasting life. And it seems appropriate to hear those words as we prepare our hearts to share communion. This is what he is quoted in saying by the Apostle John. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. That's the life. That's the life that was being referred to when they said, endowed by our creator with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So let's thank God that we live here in this place where we can worship 
where I can say things that sound like I put something ahead of my nation because I do without fear of persecution. Not everybody can do that. Let's be grateful. Let's enjoy this last day of 4th of July weekend. But let's always remember who the gift of life is really, really from.